ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر امور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد يا عباد الله الحمد لله على نعمه الاسلام والسنه praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah we heard in the last the last class which generated a question the ayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wasabiquna al-awwalun min al-muhajirin wal-ansar wal-ladina tabi'uhum bi ihsan radiyallahu anhum wa radu'an and those who came first and foremost from the muhajirun and from the ansar and those who followed them in good Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with him the questioner asks and what is the explanation paraphrasing yani the explanation of following the sahaba in good what is the explanation of following the sahaba in good in other words how do we know that we're following them in good how do we follow them in good bila shakku bila ray following them in good of course it will mean to be upon what they were upon to be upon their way in aqida in creed so that our belief system is the same as their belief system that we believe as they believe in all aspects of belief in all aspects of iman we believe as they believed our aqida is the same as their aqida our creed is the same as their creed also in their methodology na'am aqidatan wa minhajan fil aqida wa minhaj wa minhajan that our methodology in calling to Allah our methodology is the same as their methodology na'am that our methodology is the same as their methodology wa ibadatan and in worship that our worship is the same as their worship meaning what that the types of worship is the same as their types of worship not that we worship in the same manner or to or to the same extent I should say as they used to worship because we know we're not going to be able to catch them but that the same type of worship that they worship with, we also worship with we don't come with worship that they were unaware of we don't come with worships and do things that they didn't do this means to follow them in good and sulukan and inside of our character inside of our character inside of our manners inside of the our yani the way in which we we act and, and so on and so forth is that our character has to be the same as their character that good character has to be the same so in general this is how we follow them in good this is how we follow them in good by being upon that which they were upon 
as we were commanded by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. يعني ما أنا عليه اليوم وأصحابي what I and my companions are upon today. This is of extreme importance. We also heard that the Prophet ﷺ, he is the best example for us. As Allah Ta'ala, he says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That verily for you and the Messenger of Allah is the most excellent example. Naam. Now remember we mentioned that regardless, regardless, every one of us is going to take someone as our role model, or we're going to have role models, those who we imitate. Now, the Prophet Sallallahu is the best example we know hands down for what? For all of mankind, only if they but knew. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He specifies and He tells us here in this ayah, those who will take the Prophet as the best example. As Allah Ta'ala says that we have Yani what means that we have in the Messenger of Allah the most excellent example. Liman for who? Liman kana yarujullah wa yawmul akhir. The one for those who they seek Allah in the last day. The ones who are looking forward to meeting Allah and thus they are preparing for it. Those who are who who who, who intend Allah in the last day. Naam, those who intend Allah in the last day. And those who remember Allah much. And those who remember Allah much. These are characteristics that we have to keep in our minds with Nilahi Ta'ala. Because the Prophet he is the best example for those He is the best example for those who they seek Allah, they intend Allah. What they want, they want to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What they want, they want to prepare for the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What they scared of, they scared of displeasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What they scared of, they scared of Allah being angry with them. What they scared of, they scared of meeting Allah and Allah punishes them. Now, these are those who are preparing for to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who are getting ready for the last day, those who remember Allah much. So these are characteristics that we have to have, that we we remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala much. Naam. We make much dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. And this is, listen, this is very important. Because what? Because it is easy for us to make claims. It's easy for us to make uh, claims that we are upon this and we are upon that. We are like this and we are like that and so on and so forth. As they say, the proof where is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. So we have to what? We have to make sure that our reality is as such. Because we know claims don't measure up. Claims don't cut it. But we have to make sure that our reality is as such. Now, it is not about making a claim. No, it's about being upon that way. You understand? It's not about making a claim. It's about being upon that way. And this is something that the ulama, they mentioned, something that the ulama, they have been teaching, uh, something that we find the righteous predecessors, they were upon, and they taught the people to be upon that. And that is that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing in reality, that they believe as the way they're supposed to believe in reality, that they are as they should be in reality. Not just that it's a claim, not just that it, 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 it is something that is enough by association. There are many individuals, unfortunately, who they believe it's enough just by association. That if you're associated with these particular group or these particular individuals and so on and so forth, then you're okay. No. Association with it within itself will not save you. What's the proof for this? Is that the hypocrites, the hypocrites, were they not, were they not in the company of the Prophet and of the Sahaba? The hypocrites were there in Medina. They were there. They were with the Prophet they were with the Sahaba. But did that association, one, did it make them from the Sahaba? No, it did not. Did it benefit them? No, it did not. What's the reward for the hypocrite? Is the lowest portion of the hellfire. So their association, did it help them? No, it did not. Why? Because they were not upon what the Sahaba were upon. They didn't believe as the Sahaba believed. So their association didn't help them. And this is what is incumbent for us to understand and to remember that just in association, oh, we're with these particular so on and so forth, and that makes us from such, no, not necessarily. 
not necessarily. It is incumbent that our belief is the same as the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That our worship is the same as the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That our methodology is the same as the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That our character is the same as the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Let me explain what is meant by the same. Likewise, that we are that our worship, that our creed, that our methodology, that our character is the same as the Sahaba, so on and so forth. This is incumbent and is a must. Now, in order to do that, we have to know what that is. If we don't know what was the manner in which the Prophet ﷺ believed, then it will be impossible for us to believe as he ﷺ believed. If we don't know what is the right creed, it will be impossible to believe correctly and adorn ourselves with the correct belief and the correct creed. As the ulama, they say, How can you believe in something that you're ignorant about? You can't. You cannot establish something and you don't know anything about it. You have to learn about it. You have to know about it. Now, so it is incumbent, it is a must for us that we spend our time benefiting, that we spend our time learning. And it is a must for us that we now know the basics, that we act in accordance to what we know, and so on and so forth. Because if not, then it will not benefit us. Now, and bilamal actions or knowledge, excuse me, without actions is like what? It's like yani a shajara bila thamara. It's like a tree with no fruit. It's like a tree with no fruit. Now, I'm a tree with no fruit. What is it really good for? Nothing. Firewood. <laughs> it's good to burn. You see? It's good to burn. Imam al-Bani, rahmatullah he mentions, yani, he used to mention a, yani, a tremendous, tremendous uh, statement, right? And it is that what? An alim alladhi لم يعمل بعلمه كالمسباح يضيء للناس ويحرك نفسه that the scholar that does not live in, does not act according to his knowledge that he is like a lantern he's like a lantern he gives out light to others while burning himself speaking about the wick the wick it illuminates for others but the whole time is what is burning itself that's why, for those who know about kerosene lanterns and the like, and those type of lanterns, every so often you have to do what? You have to replace the wick, because it burns out. Burns out, right? So we have to live according to what we know. We have to implement our knowledge. We have to implement our knowledge. Yeah? So, before we can implement the knowledge, then we have to learn. We have to learn. Yeah? Now, we all say that we love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We all say we love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, I mean, we love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But loving the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, it is reflected and illustrated by us following the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It is illustrated. It is illustrated by us learning about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We have to learn about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now, what is the what is the purpose of learning about the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Just so we. No, and bishay, just FYI. No, it's so that we can imitate the Prophet, so that we can learn about him and we can imitate him. So I encourage everyone to read through the biography of the Prophet, but from this standpoint that we're reading through the biography so that we can learn how to imitate. So our intention and in reading through his biography is so that we can learn how to imitate the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when you read the seerah and this is your intention, you will find a, a tremendous difference. Now, I'm a tremendous difference. So we really have to change our approach. We have to change the way that we think. We have to change our intention when doing certain things. I'll give you an, an example before going on with this. The ulama they mentioned, they says that when you read the Qur'an, you should read the Qur'an with the intention of being guided. You read the Qur'an with the intention of finding guidance inside the Qur'an. That when we find a command from Allah, we're going to do it. 
When we see a prohibition, we're going to stay away from it. Now, we're going to believe correctly and be affected by the Quran. This is incumbent. And it's not necessarily coupled or by default when a person reads it. Because how many people read it just for the sake of reading it? They don't read it because they're looking for guidance. They're just reading it. And, and, and thus, they don't, they're not contemplating what they're saying. They're not pondering over the meanings and so on and so forth because their intention is just to read it. Naam, it is from the Sunnah to recite Surah Al-Kahf or to read Surah Al-Kahf every Jum'ah. Kul yawm Jum'ah. Naam, bay. When's the last time we reflected over it? When's the last time we pondered over it? Right? Now, I don't want to ask when's the last time we read it? Because somebody might say, well, yesterday. But, but did you ponder over it when you read it? Or were you reading it like it was a chore? Something you had to finish? Huh? Did you read it like a chore? This is my my weekly chore. I'm going to read it, be done with it, so I feel good about myself until next week. Or did we contemplate over it? Did we contemplate over the stories that came therein? Did we take a lesson over the story of uh, 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 of the stories that 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 were therein? Did we take lesson and ponder over the uh, 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 the guidance that is contained therein? Did we? Did we, t did we take notice to it? Right? So these things are of, of, uh, of extreme importance. Now, Bilashak, when you love somebody, you know about them, right? Right? Now, you brothers, you, you don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to answer out loud. But men love their wives, correct? But if there was some basic information about your wife, and you didn't know it, would you be in trouble? I, I believe so, yeah. I believe so, yeah. And in her uh, uh, reprimand of you, you might be questioned about your love for her. Right? You love me, but you don't know these things? So as to say what? Do you really love me? You don't know these simple things about me? You understand? How much trouble would you be in if you brought your wife some ice cream that she didn't like, not her favorite, and you brought it to her and you called it her favorite? You would be in trouble. Why? Because you should know better. That's not a favorite. What do you mean, my favorite? You know I hate this ice cream. You should know I hate this ice cream. You don't know I hate that ice cream? She bought it from the store. No, if you bought it from the store for her. <laughs> No, no, no. If if she picked it up, then you 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 have an you have an escape. But I mean, if you picked it up, if you bought her some flowers and she hate those flowers, and you said, "Why don't you like daffodils or whatever?" You know, no, that's not my favorite flower, or whatever. I, you know, <laughs> roses, right? Whatever. Right? Uh, to the end of it, you'll be in trouble because we should know these things, and these things, yeah, they should be very important to us, right? So we want to look at the human being that we love more than every other human being. And we want to just look at some simple things about that human being, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And primarily, we want to look at uh, and reflect and take some moments to go over who were his parents and who were some of the members of his family. And to speak a little bit about his lineage. Because these are things we should know. Right? These are things we should know. When it comes to most Muslims, if you were to ask them, who is the, the messenger? And they, they will tell you, Muhammad. Nah, but, but if you ask them, well, what was his mother's name? They may or may not know. If you were to ask them, what is his father's name? They may or may not know. If you were to ask them, but most Muslims, yani, would know. You know. Some may not know, but most would know. Correct? But if you were to ask them, can you give me his lineage that is agreed upon? Oh, now not many Muslims are going to know that, unfortunately. Right? Unfortunately. And, but if you were to ask them, uh, whatever sport they went into, right? And, yeah, I ain't going to talk about the ruling of that, right? I think you could, 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 could gather. But the point is, if you were to ask them about the sport team that they like, the players of it, they can name them to you. So and so. What's the position? Such and such. Where do you go to school? Such and such. 
what rounds he drafted in, such and such. They may tell you all this type of stuff. Those who are sports enthusiasts, they tell you all this type of stuff. Right? How many teams he played for? Where he came over from? Was he a free agent? Not nah, 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 to the end of it. Tell you all these intricate details. And then when you ask them to produce dissimilitude of that as relates mm-hmm. to the prophet, right? Sell them, they come up wanting. But then they say they love the prophet, right? Sell them more, they love every other human being. But it ain't almost nothing about them. Hey, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. This is not, this is not appropriate. Not appropriate. In order to imitate the prophet, right? Sell them, then we have to know about them. We have to know about them. So you want to just go over some simple things, ta'ala, as an encouragement, as a, uh, introduction, as a, as a first step, inshallah ta'ala, that will take and will expound upon and, you know, go in more depth and more detail as relates to it, inshallah ta'ala. Now, I mean, this is, ta'ala, a reminder, uh, for some, I hope for most, and for those who the information is new, then inshallah ta'ala, it's a benefit, and those who it is a reminder, then it is a benefit, because the, the reminding of khair is, is, is khair, it helps to keep it strong. Now, so you want to look at four lines of poetry, four, four lines of poetry, um, that cover what we want to discuss uh, in this short reminder, bihnilahi ta'ala. And that is the poet, he said, بِحَمْدِ رَبِّي أَبْدَاءُ الْمُنِيرَةِ ثُمَّ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ سِيرَةِ عَلَى نَبِيِّ اسْمُهُ مُحَمَّدُ أَبُوهُ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْهُ مُفْرَدُ وَجَدُّهُ شَيْبَةُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِبِ وَالنَّسْلِ مِنْ نَسْلِ عَدْنَانِ وَأَصْلُهُ الْعَرَبِ وَأُمُّهُ بِنْتٌ لِوَهْبٍ آمِنَةِ أَجْدَادُهُ بَيْنَ قُرَيْشٍ كَائِنَةٍ Naam. Four lines of poetry. Very, very short lines of poetry. The poet, he began, he began after the, the Basmala, after saying Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, he began by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He began by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who illuminates Allah Ta'ala the one who illuminates Naam. and then he sent the salah and the salam upon the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that is in his statement and then the salah and the salam Naam. then the salah and the salam and after that he mentioned he gave some indication of what he wanted to talk about this is why he said, ثُمَّ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ يعني, uh, And the seerah. Naam, because he wants to speak about the seerah of the Prophet Now, language is very important. Language is very important. And this is why I encourage myself and I encourage yani, everyone who hears my voice that we, we have to learn Arabic. We have to learn Arabic because whether we realize it or not, language, it does shape your yeah. understandings. It does shape your mentality. It does shape your outlook. It shapes your view. It shapes your view. Now, language is very important. It shapes your view. And the Arabic language is very powerful for the believer. It's very powerful for the believer. And if you don't... Believe this fact, or you want to debate this fact, I, I call you to reflect. Reflect on the amount of energy the enemies of Islam have put upon warring against the Arabic language. I want you to think about this. And in particular, for those who you know, are history buffs, look back to the time of colonialism. Look back to the time of colonialism. Everywhere that those invading forces colonized, did they leave those people upon their original language? No, but they replaced it with their language. And those places that they colonized, for example, like Mali, for example, Mali, who used to house great libraries in Timbuktu, great libraries in Timbuktu of Islamic knowledge, Written in what language? Arabic. Written in Arabic. Now, now today, those same 
scrolls and those same manuscripts that were preserved and hidden from the colonial forces. <laughs> now to this day, those families that were entrusted of hiding them and they took great pride in hiding them and protecting them can't even read them. They can't read them. Why? Because they speak the language of their oppressor. They speak the language of the colonizer. They don't speak the language of Arabic. They used to, not no more. They, well, they, their forefathers used to, but now they don't. So now they have treasures they can't benefit from. That is extremely sad. But there is no mistake why they did that. There is no mistake why the enemies, one of their tactics in their campaign is to remove and strip the Arabic language from the people. Because once they strip and remove the Arabic language from the people, they know your understanding will always be wanting. It will always be flawed. It will always be flawed, right? And I and, and I want and I want to bring to you a, a very simple example, right? On how our worldview is is different when you translate it. And you know they say things are lost in translation. That's that's so true on so many levels. Things are, are lost in translation. And although the overall general meaning may be the same, you lose meaning by default. You lose meaning. Now, Sirah is translated as biography. Biography, right? When biography comes to a person's mind, automatically what is understood Automatically what is understood is that you're going to talk about a person's life, where they grew up, you know, basically talk about their life from birth to death, where they grew up, how they, you know, that's it. You understand? But in Arabic language, sirah, sirah from the word, it means what? Tariqah, a path, a way, right? So when you speak of the sirah of the Prophet, you're talking about what? The way. Of the Prophet Now, when you say the way of the Prophet is that does that restrict in your mind just the the information about his life from 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 a biographical standpoint? Does that restrict that to your mind, or is it broader than that? It's much broader than that. When you say the way of the Prophet now you know the way he believed, the way he interacted with people. His method of calling the people to Allah, the way he used to worship, his character, right? To the end of it, every aspect of his life, the way of the Prophet This is what is intended by the seerah, that you learn the way of the Prophet It's not just, yani, you know, uh, 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 what were the names of his children, what were the names of his you know, uh, of his wives, so on and so forth. But it's much deeper than that. All of those things are just the beginning. They're just the, they're just the introduction. But then you want to get from behind that much more in depth. Now, so for example, like names, like names, when you when you make uh, an introduction with someone, you ask them, "What's your name?" That's what. That's an introduction. It's not the whole of the story. Ask a person his name, and then you learn their name. Okay, you know everything about them after that. No, this is an introduction. That's a starting point. So le learning the names is a starting point. So we learn the names of his wives. But that's important to us because now we know the names. So now we want to know more about them. Now we want to know more about how they used to be. Now we want to know more about their characteristics, praiseworthy characteristics. Why? This is important to all of us because we all take example from it. But in particular, for what? For the women, they take example. They can take example from the knowledge of Aisha, take example from the strength of Khadija, so on and so forth. They can take example of this and the knowledge and the know-how and the expertise of Khadija. Take example. These these women, our mothers, they were examples. They were examples that we all can benefit from. But if we only make it to their names and then we stop, we'll never be able to unearth those treasures. Never. Naam. So like everything, we 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 want to learn, yani, uh, the uh, 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 those vital lessons, right? So the the seer of the Prophet, sorry, is not just 
learning about events and certain instances that are taking place and so on and so forth. No, it's so we take example. Naam? Like the times where the Prophet ﷺ, sometimes he would ask Abu Bakr and, and, and Umar for advice. Other times he would ask Ali for advice. There was sometimes the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't ask any of the male Sahaba for advice, he'll ask his wives for advice. Right? What shows you that what? Was that always in Islam, in the deen of Islam, the women, they had a status. The women, they were important. The women, they were relevant. The women, they were vital. They were essential. The women, they had special and unique characteristics. Yani, they were very valuable. And we see that from what? From the Prophet ﷺ, where he would ask his wives for advice. You don't ask someone for advice and yeah, they're insignificant. No, you ask those of significance for advice. This is a lesson. This is a lesson for the man. A man is a lesson for the man that sometimes the, the, yeah, the finest person you need to go to and ask for advice is your wife. Is your wife. Because as we know, your wife, many, many times, she'll tell you like other people won't tell you. Right? What she will offer as advice will be different than what others may offer and lend to you as advice. There's a great wisdom in that. Because now you're able to what one appreciate her, but it reminds you what of the status of the women. The status of the women. So when people come and they say that the, that, 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 that Islam is a deen of misogyny and they put the women down and oppressing to the women and so on and so forth, those who understand their religion realize how absurd those words are. That is absurd. Because the, the Nabi Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked advice from what? From his wife. When the revelation first came to him, who did he go to? He went to his wife, Khadija, radiallahu ta'ala anha. She was the one that, 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 yani, consoled him and gave him, you know, that, that, that wholesome and good advice. He was the one that was, that was, that was, that was strength and support for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which shows that what? That in our wives, our wives, they're, they're more than just the ones who cook and iron and take care of the children and, you know, so on. They're more than that. So we have to appreciate them as such and realize that and, 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 and extend and shower upon them all types of kindness. And it's easy to do that when you understand and you reflect on their real status. You, you understand? So my point is, is that we, we, and this is just one lesson that could be taken from that. Just one lesson that could be taken in the interactions of the Prophet ﷺ with his wives when he would ask them for advice. There are many other lessons that could be taken from that. The advice that they gave themselves is tremendous. There's lessons within that itself showing the, uh, uh, the level of the believing woman. In any event, this is how we want to look at the seerah. Take examples. Take examples. Now, but I digress. Here, we just want to go over some simple points. <laughs> now, we're going to go over some simple points just as a reminder. So, the poet, he started by saying this, by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending the salah and the salam upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he said, "Ala Muhammadu." Upon the messenger, or upon, excuse me, the prophet, who is Muhammad. Upon the prophet, and he is Muhammad. Naam. So this poem is a poem that speaks about the seerah, that speaks about the way, the way. Of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam. And is the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani ta'rif sirah istilahan. That the definition of the sirah inside uh, yani, the technical definition. It is tariqah al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa tawseelu halihi min mawlidihi ila wafatih. Alayhi salatu wa sallam. It is... Yani, if you want to say an analysis or a study of the way of the, an analysis or study is in parentheses, right? It's understood. Of the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in detail, in detail, naam, uh, from his birth to his death, from this, his situations and occurrences that took place in his life, from his birth 
to his death. Naam, from his birth to his death. One of the other poets, yani, he summarized this definition in a line of poetry. Uh, and he mentioned, he said, لِسِيرَةِ النَّبِيِّ حَدٌ آتِي تَفْصِيلُ حَالِهِ إِلَى الْمَمَاتِ That the seerah, the way of the Prophet ﷺ, when he translated his biography, then its definition is as follows. is a detailed analysis of his occurrences and situations in, uh, inside of his life until his death. Now, until his death. Now, this is what? This is the seerah. And if you look, the poet he mentioned here, he said, "Ala Muhammadu," upon the prophet whose name is Muhammad, upon the prophet whose name is Muhammad. There's something very interesting that should be noted here, and that is, is that when you reflect and you look through the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He always refers to the Prophet when he refers to him by name as Muhammad. He does not mention the name of his father or his grandfather or so on and so forth. It's Muhammad. <laughs> the ulama, they extrapolate from this that there are a number of benefits that uh, we get from this and there are a number of wisdoms for this. From those wisdoms is what? is to single out this name and make it that which is particular to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we talk about Muhammad and we say Muhammad, then what should come to a person's mind, first and foremost, is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, and they say that this is a benefit that comes from that. Also a benefit that comes from that, and I want you to, to pay very close attention to this. Also a benefit that comes from that, and this is from those things that uh, the Muslims, they benefit from, is that what? Is that we are encouraged, we are commanded to be different than the disbelievers. Especially, and in particularly, to those things that are particular unto them that are harmful and destructive. Naam? And from those things that was harmful and destructive from the way of the disbelievers of Jahiliyyah was their boasting and their bragging about their lineage. They're boasting and bragging about their lineage. Now, this is very destructive because it causes enmity amongst people. It causes uh, <clears throat> hatred amongst people. It 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 lends to the uh, yani, uh, a caste-like system, which is very destructive upon societies and upon populations. Now, as witnessed from what was left over from the the yani, uh, uh, the British and others and places that they colonized, right? But also at its very extreme, at its very extreme, it leads to ancestral worship as we see which is rampant in West Africa and other places where the people worship their ancestors. So as to not reinforce this concept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned Muhammad by Muhammad without getting into his father, his grandfather, and so on and so forth. That's not the point. Why? Because what is incumbent or what is the point is individuals being righteous, upright, and wholesome for themselves. The same way Allah ta'ala says, when I tell you the waziratun wizna ukhra, and no people shall carry the burden of another people. We don't carry the sins of our forefathers. Our fathers did sins, that's on them. They're not on us. That's their sin, not our sin. So the same way we do not inherit their sin, likewise, we don't inherit their merit. We don't inherit their superiority. If they did good, that's, that was good for them. We don't get rewarded for their salah. We don't get rewarded for their fasting. Naam. We have to in turn what? Take ownership of our own selves. And this is a, a concept that is extremely important and is liberating. It's liberating. You understand? How many people look back at their forefathers and say, but my forefathers were this and my forefathers were that and my forefathers were yeah, and kings and queens and so on and so forth and to the end of it. Right? All that is fine and well. 
But that doesn't change your reality. You understand? If that was the situation of your forefathers, but your situation is one of loneliness and squalor, then what was uh, good for them has not translated to you, has not been yeah, inherited by you. That was their situation. That don't change your situation. So instead of looking in the rearview mirror, concentrate on enriching yourself. This is a lesson that could be drawn from that. Concentrate on enriching yourself and benefiting yourself. As opposed to looking in the rear view. When you, yeah, when you drive, you look through the rear view mirror the whole time, you'll crash. You get nowhere. From time to time, you look back because it benefits. You, you know, and, and, and no one is to say that we don't benefit by looking back. We benefit from looking back if we take a lesson. If we take a lesson and we take an admonition from that which has transpired from previous generations, we benefit tremendously. But the whole of the journey is not looking back. But most of the journey is what? Is dealing with what's right now and preparing for what's to come. Because what happened yesterday is gone. It's gone. That's it. It's done. Whatever you didn't pray yesterday, you didn't pray yesterday. You can't go back in time and now pray it. The opportunity is lost. Right? Tomorrow, what you're going to do tomorrow, which is also from the trick of Shaitan to get you to have false hopes, is, is, is not guaranteed. You may not live to see tomorrow. You understand? Person say, I'm going to get righteous tomorrow. Getting righteous tomorrow does you no good if you die today. So putting all your eggs in the proverbial future basket is, 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 is illogical. Because you may not live, it may not be no future for you. Now what? You understand? But this is what Shaitan convinces people to do where he gets you caught up on what you are about to do. And this is something, and I'm stressing this because this is something that it, 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 it plagues the Americans. Plagues the Americans. Now, now I can't speak about, you know, people that come from other places. I can't, I can't speak to that reality. But when it comes to the Americans, those indigenous to America, right, it plagues them. It plagues them. People are always bragging and talking about what they're about to do. I'm about to come up on something real big, man. Right? How many people we know from back in the days always about to come up on something, 30 years later still ain't come up on nothing. <laughs> right? 30 years later, still in the project, still ain't come up on nothing. It's about to be real big, man. I'm telling you, you want to get down with this. 30 years later, it's still about to be big. Like, when is this big thing ever going to come? This is because they have been distracted by false hope. They've been distracted by false hope. The Muslim, you see, Islam, it balances us. It teaches us these vital lessons that we don't get caught up on the past because we know that's done. Whatever they got did not translate to us. So we got to do what we need to do. We can't put too much into the future about what we're going to do in the future because it may never come. So what do we have to capitalize on is right now. If we want to shape and mold our future, that's done where? In the present. That's done now. It's not done tomorrow. It's done now. The, the, the efforts you put forward now, you get paid when? Later. That makes sense? So for the Muslim, it grounds us on dealing with the now. So these are just some examples of some benefits that yeah, we can take away from this. So that the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by his name. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Naam. So that we concentrate and we know the importance of sticking to the way of Allah's messenger, of Allah's prophet, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, as is mentioned, when you love somebody, you should know basic facts about them. Now, when you love someone, you should know basic facts about them. So we should know about the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What's the name of his father? That's important to know. What's the name of his father? So the poet, he said, after mentioning that, he mentioned the name of the, uh, of the father of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, Abuhu Abdullahi minhu mufradu. He said that his father is Abdullah. From him, by himself. I don't want to give it away. It's a way, you yani, can translate that, it's going to give it away. But yani, mufrad. Mufrad is by himself, singular, yeah, to the end. Okay? So the name of his father is Abdullah. 
So what's the name of the father of the Prophet Sallallahu is what? It's Abdullah. Naam. And then he said, Mufradu. What does that mean? Mufradu. By himself. Hey, and this is an important point. Lem yurzaq. Ibnan siwa. Because Abdullah had no other children. He had no other children. The Prophet Sallallahu he was what? He was an only child. He was an only child. That's very important to know. We we know that the Prophet Sallallahu and this is another point, is that Abdullah, he died. He died. So the Prophet Sallallahu he was what? He was an orphan. We know he was an orphan. But it's also that we, important that we know that he was what? He was an only child. That's very, that's very yeah, important information that, that we should know. That the Prophet Sallallahu he was the only child. That his father, he had no other children. Now, outside of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَهُوَ مُفْرَدٌ نعم. So therefore he was what? He was by himself. He was by himself. Naam. Uh, in other words, he was what? He was a single child. As we uh, express it in, in this language. He was a single child. فَلَيْسَ لَعَبْدِ أَحَدٌ مِنْ أَوْلَادٍ So Abdullah, he had no other children. No other children. ذُكُورًا أَوْ إِنَاثًا Neither male nor female. So the Prophet is telling me he had no brothers, he had no sisters. Naam. The only child he had was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Also, one thing that we benefit from is that the name of his father was Abdullah. He was, his name was Abdullah. Which shows you that what? That the Quraysh, the polytheists, mind you, of Quraysh, they still had some of the remnants of the deen of Ibrahim. So they knew Allah. They acknowledged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And more specifically, they acknowledged the rububiyyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They acknowledged that Allah was their, their Lord, that Allah was their creator, that Allah was their sustainer, that Allah caused life, that Allah caused death, that Allah arranged affairs. They acknowledged all of that. They believed in all of that. But with all of that... They were not believers. They were not believers. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to them, calling them to La ilaha illallah. Because singling out Allah alone, Rububiyyah, does not constitute enough to enter a person into Islam. But they have to single out Allah alone in Uluhiyyah, in Ibadah. That all worship belongs to Allah and Allah alone. It does not belong to a prophet. Nor does it belong to an angel. Nor does it belong to a celestial body. Nor does it belong to anything. All worship belongs to Allah and Allah alone. And that is why people who believe in the rububiyah of Allah, Allah sent his messenger to them calling them to la ilaha illallah. Allah sent his messenger to them using the fact that they believed in rububiyyah as a proof and an evidence against them, showing them that they had to establish ta'lamun. So do not set up rivals with Allah in worship and you know, you know what? You know Allah is your Lord. You know Allah is your creator. You know Allah is your sustainer. You know Allah is the one who causes life, the one who causes death, the one who arranges the affairs. You know this. So therefore, do not set up rivals with Allah in worship. Do not worship other than Allah. Do not take false deities as objects of worship other than Allah. But rather submit yourselves to La ilaha illallah. Naam. This concept is of extreme importance. Then the poet, he goes on and he mentions, he says, وَجَدُّهُ شَيْبَةُ عَبْدُ الْمُطَّلِقِ Naam. And we know this, as, as we say yani, all the time, that his, his grandfather was Abdul Muttalib, right? What maybe not be as well known to people is that what? Is that Abdul Muttalib was not his birth name. That was not his name at birth. His name at birth was Shayba. His name at birth was Shayba. It was not Abdul Muttalib. Naam. Shayba was the name that his parents gave him at birth and he got the nickname of Abdul Muttalib 
And remember we mentioned before that sometimes a person's uh, 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 nickname or sometimes a person's kunya will overcome their name and replace it. So now a person, they're just known by their nickname, they're just known by their kunya. Whereas if, if, if you mention a person's real name, they're not like talking about. Right? This is an example of that. Because his name was Shayba. But he became well known by his kunya, Abdul Muttalib. Now, by Abdul Muttalib. He became well known by his kunya. So, Sheikh Imaji says, he said, then this, he's, yani he got, his nickname overpowered his name to the point that it became his name. To the point that it became his name. So he referred to as Abdul Muttalib. Now, and uh, Shayba, and this may give us some indication of why he got this nickname, because Shayba, it was a, a popular name in Quraysh. So it was a well-known name in Quraysh. Now, so there's a lot of people with that name, a common name, as they say. It was a common name amongst the Quraysh. Now, uh, and when people have yani, common names, and so on and so forth, but there's certain aspects about them that stand out, then they get nicknames that sometimes overpower their names. So Shayba yani, uh, was his name, but it became overpowered by Abdul Muttalib. It became overpowered by Abdul Muttalib. Now, then the poet, he mentions uh, 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 that he was from the lineage of Adnan and his origin was Arab that he was from the lineage of Adnan and his origin was Arab and this is something that is, 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 is important remember we mentioned that uh when it comes to the lineage of the Prophet that when it reaches back to Adnan, there's no difference of opinion. And inshallah ta'ala, we'll, 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 we'll go over what that lineage is. But there's no difference of opinion. But when it comes from Adnan to Ibrahim, والسلام, there's a difference of opinion. There's a difference of opinion. They, the, the ulama, they don't agree. The, the historians, they don't agree. From Adnan to Ibrahim, there's a difference of opinion. But up, up until Adnan, there's, there's, they unanimously agree on this is the lineage of the Prophet So when you see those, uh, uh, when you see those lineages of the Prophet that stretch all the way back to Adam, then know that most of uh, that can neither be confirmed nor denied because there's not a yani, uh, nothing sahih which points to it up until what Adnan from Adnan from the Prophet ﷺ to Adnan no difference of opinion after Adnan then the difference starts to come Naam? so that's why he mentions here Adnan going back from the lineage of Adnan and that's, that's an important uh, point for us to know and then he mentioned, he said, وَأَصْلُهُ Arab," And his origin is that he was Arab. And this is important for us to know, really. This is important for us to know. And this is important for us to, 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 uh, to realize. Is that Al-Arab, Al-Arab, as the ulama they mentioned, that Al-Arab, that Al-Arab, being an Arab, being classified as an Arab, is for two reasons. One is that an individual, his lineage is Arab. His lineage is Arab. Now, and this has significance, but it's not the most important. And I, and I want you, I want you, I want you to listen and, and hear that well. It has significance, but it's not the most important. The most important, and that's the second definition of what inches one and two in Arab, is that an Arab that an Arab is the one who speaks Arabic. Now, this is what's important. Because how often do you have individuals who are Arab by lineage, but they're not Arab by tongue? They're, they're Arab by their lineage, but not by their tongue. What's most important, they're Arab by their tongue. That's the most important. 
especially for us, the Muslims, right? Because as as the ulama they explain and listen, let's let's just be real about it, right? They said what? They said, if it was not for the book and the sunnah, we would not have learned Arabic. What is our motivation in learning Arabic? Is to understand the book and the sunnah. Now, other than that, we wouldn't have learned it. Arabic is not the easiest language in the world. It's not. And it's important. Now, there's some easiness in Arabic. In, 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 in Arabic. Naam. There's some easiness in it, no doubt. But this is for the one whom Allah Ta'ala, yani, has made it easy for him. This is for the one whom Allah Ta'ala has made it easy for her. But the reality of it is that, is that, is that, is that Arabic takes work. You're not gonna, like, passively learn Arabic. No. It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes consistency. It takes sacrifice. Naam, it takes sacrifice. And it's incumbent that we understand that because when you know the goal and you know what you're reaching for, then that motivates you to get past your hurdles. That motivates you to get past your hindrances and your obstacles. But when you don't understand the goal and the importance of it, then the slightest obstacle will deter you from it. The slightest obstacle, right? That's like if you really didn't want to go somewhere anywhere, right? Your wife said, oh, we got to go anywhere, yeah, place, right? And you really didn't want to go. You look for any excuse not to go. Any excuse not to go. <laughs> right? And this is the reality. This is the reality. But when you really want something, does anyone have to encourage you to do it? Nah. Nah. And that's the reality. You really don't have to encourage people to do what they really want to do. You really don't. And what helps us into wanting to do it is to understand that reality. So the Prophet Sallallahu his origin in Arab, Naam, the Sahih, is correct. But let me ask you this. Ismail, alayhi salatu wasalam. The Prophet Sallallahu descended from him. His father was who? Was Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam. Wait, Ibrahim, was he Arab? No. His wife, Hajar, was she Arab? No, she was Masriya, Qabtiya. But yet they call her what? The mother of the Arab. They call her the mother of the Arab. The technical term for them, because they learned Arabic, they learned Arabic, right? Was Musta'arab. They were those who learned Arabic. Or those who, better yet, they became Arab. Those who became Arab. Naam? Why and how did they become Arab? Because they learned Arabic. They spoke the Arabic language. So when you look to those blessed Muslim countries in Africa, like Nusr, like Sudan, so on and so forth, was their original language Arabic? No. no. But right now they are what? They are Arabic nations. Why? Because the inhabitants there speak Arabic. You understand? This is something we should all aspire to. Why? Just for the sake of saying that we're Arab? No. So we understand the book in the Sunnah. So we understand the book in the Sunnah. And if you speak Arabic and you, يعني, you speak it well and you get it down good, then by definition you will be Arab. You'll be Arab. Now, that makes sense? So this is why it is said, الْعَرَب. And his origin... It was Arab. Now the, the mother of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then he goes on, he says, bin And his mother was the daughter of Wahab. Naam was the daughter of Wahab. And her name was Amina. Her name was Amina. Naam. Right. And her and she was the daughter of Wahab. Now, she was the daughter of Wahab. So her father's name, it was Wahab. And then the poet, he mentions, he says, أَجَدَادُهُ بَيْنَ قُرَيْشٍ كَائِنَ That his forefathers, they were from the Quraysh. They were from the Quraysh. And this is because both his mother, Amina, and his father, Abdullah, they were both from Quraysh. They are both from Quraysh. 
So the Prophet Sallallahu all of his maternal and paternal uncles, they were all from Quraysh. They were all from the Quraysh. Naam. And from the Quraysh, they were from what? Bani Hashim. You know, from Bani Hashim. Naam. So now, in closing, let us look at the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam father and on grandfather on 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 all the way back to Adnan all the way back to Adnan and if for those who want to write it inshallah ta'ala I'll talk uh, slow and and repeat bismillahi ta'ala so the name of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it was what Muhammad Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam here's a point here's here's a fun fact as they say here's a fun fact the Jews and the Christians, you know Allah Ta'ala in the Quran, He tells us how they, they knew the Prophet Sallallahu like they know their own children. Right? There was no mistake. When the Prophet Sallallahu came, there was no mistake in their mind that that was the Prophet that was prophesied in their book and was foretold was going to come. They knew it. You know one of the proofs against them? This is the fun fact, right? Is that the Jews and the Christians that had migrated to the Arabian Peninsula, they did it, right? They did it for what? For 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 a reason. And that reason is that they hoped that the prophet that was foretold will come from them. From them. Right? That's why there were so many Jews in Yathrib at the time, which later became Medina. Because they knew from the descriptions in their book of the landscape, right? That Medina was the place that it was said that he would rise from. Right? They knew that. They knew that he would gain dominance from that place. So they went to that place that was described in their book. Out of hopes of what? That, it would, that, the, that the, the prophet would come from them. But check this out. They also, because his name was foretold in their book as being Muhammad. There were many of the Jews and the Christians that named their children Muhammad. <laughs> Huh? Many of the Jews and the Christians, they named their children what? Muhammad. Because they knew that the, the Prophet would, be, would, would, would come, his name was Muhammad, so they named him Muhammad. And this is why or how the Prophet ﷺ, he got the other name of what? Of Ahmed. Of Ahmed. Because when he was named Muhammad, naam, uh, it was said that Muhammad is a name that Others have. It's not a unique name. It's a common name. But Ahmed, which yani, is, is, is yani, derived from the same origin, it, uh, yani, it, same root, I should say, the same root, is a name that is not common. It's not common. So let's call him Ahmed. Naam. But even in their books, why? Because Allah Ta'ala, He informs us that, that Isa, السلام, He went to His people, tell him that what? That Ahmed will come. Huh? You understand? But this just shows you what the yani, uh, the power and the might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the power and the might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it came to bear exactly as it was foretold it, he was called Muhammad in their books and he came and his name his birth given name was Muhammad and then shortly after his birth they, he was given a nickname Ahmed it was also mentioned in their books what Ahmed was going to come his name would be Ahmed so it happened just as Allah said it was going to happen Hmm. Allahu Akbar. Right? So the Prophet Sallallahu his name it was Muhammad Ibn Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib. Remember Abdul Muttalib he took over his, his name because the other name was what? Shayba. Naam. So go became his name. So it became Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim bin Abdul Manaf bin Qusay bin Kilab bin Murrah bin Ka'ab bin Lu'ay bin Ghalib bin Fihr bin Malik bin Nadr bin Kinana bin Khuzayma bin Mudrika bin Ilyas Ben Mubar, Ben Nizar, Ben Ma'ad, Ben Adnan.
up to there, no difference of opinion. After Adnan, they start to differ on uh, after that. So again, it is Muhammad bin Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim Hashim bin Abdul Manaf bin Qusayn bin Kilab bin Murrah bin Ka'ab bin Lu'ay bin Ghalid bin Fihr bin Malik bin Madr bin Kinana bin Khuzayma bin Mudrika bin Ilyas bin Mudar bin Nizar bin Ma'ad bin Adnan Muhammad bin Abdullah bin Abdul Muttalib bin Hashim bin Abdul Manaf bin Qusay bin Kila bin Murra bin Ka'b bin Lu'ay bin Ghalib bin Fihr bin Malik bin Nadr bin Kinana bin Khuzayma bin Mudrika bin Ilyas bin Mudar bin Nizar bin Ma'ad bin Adnan and this is the lineage of the Prophet ﷺ of which there is no difference of opinion as relates to it. Inshallah Ta'ala, let us truly benefit. Let us learn those lessons that will benefit us. Let us learn about our Prophet ﷺ so that we may be like him ﷺ and imitate him. فَنَكْتَفِي بِهَذَا الْقَدْرِ وَسَلَّمْ عَلَى نَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ وَجَزَاكُمَ اللَّهُ خير <تصفيق> <تصفيق>